Hello and welcome to the Still Space Podcast. I'm your host, Executive Coach Mary Lee Gannon, where my guests and I share fun and simple strategies to manage yourself so that you can show up the way you want in work relationships in life and not default to past behaviors that leave you disappointed. The Still Space is where you learn to take an intentional moment to challenge habitual assumptions that hold you back with enlightened truths that boost your genius. We transform drama, resentment, doubt, unmet expectations, and self-sabotage to executive presence, self-control, deep sleep, healthy choices, and more connection with people who matter while it still matters. It's time. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me. First, most of you know that I work by day as the CEO of a $31 million organization, and I coach a handful of clients in the evening. Now, I have taken the tenets of mindful leadership and put that into a training program so that you can fast track your career leadership while also balancing that with a good night's sleep, healthy eating habits, and close relationships. I call this program Mindful Leader Satisfied Life. Not only will you have the training, you also get one-on-one coaching with me, not a group, one-on-one coaching with me so that we can unravel your personal assumptions that are holding you back. You will no longer be unnoticed, undervalued, and inadequate, feel judged, and that others think that there's something wrong with you and you start thinking there's something wrong with you too because you're getting passed over for promotions, new roles, no longer doing all the things you hear you should be doing. Sigh of relief, right? With only defeat and the fear that failure is in your DNA forever dogging you in the back of your mind. You'll no longer be disconnected from colleagues, friends, and family or following the shoulds that make you feel you're still behind the curve and might even lose everything altogether. No longer frustration about habits that show up in terms of snacking, disjointed relationships, vices, poor sleep. No longer making excuses while not actually getting any closer to high performance. So if you're interested in this program, all you have to do is go to my website, maryleegannon.com. Click on the link on the top that says Coach with Mary Lee. It explains all about the program. Fill out a few questions on the questionnaire so that I know a little bit more about you and I'll reach right out to you and we'll set up a time to talk and we'll get you started. No longer will you have to wake up and say, I missed an opportunity. I wish I had. Please remember that I can only take a few clients at a time and I already have a full book right now. So I'd like to make sure that you're on the list. Head over to maryleegannon.com. Click on Coaching with Mary Lee. Let's get started. Hi, Mindful Leader. This is episode 21 of the Still Space podcast, 28 of my best tips for mindful leadership satisfaction. I was interviewed once and asked to give my best advice and I put a lot of thought into it and that's how I came up with this list and I want to share it with you and I'm going to share with you my personal stories and experience behind all of this. I have been a president for the last 20 plus years, running organizations up to 31 million. 
Most of you know that I started on welfare, food stamps, and medical assistance at the end of a horrendous divorce that took my four children and me from the country cub life to public assistance. And I found out very quickly that I couldn't just have the dream of going back to school and going for something that I really wanted to do. I had to do something practical, but also learned that if it wasn't in alignment with my values, I wasn't going to be happy. So while I really would like to be painting seashells at the seashore, I knew that that wasn't going to carry my four children and myself. So I worked very hard at identifying my strengths, identifying my value proposition and transferable skills, and went into a field where I knew I could make money quickly. I knew if I could sell, I could make money, but I didn't have the luxury of being able to travel because my children were all in preschool or elementary school. So I couldn't go on the road as a typical salesperson. So I went into the line of fundraising, a skill I learned from my mother while at home in school in my early years. I watched her lead organizations, volunteer, and I took those skills and I practiced them and that's how I was able to position myself with confidence to lead organizations. Doing this was hard because I found out very quickly that not everybody operates the way I do. And I can remember as a first-time manager thinking, well, why aren't these people working hard? Aren't they wanting to do their best? Don't they want to knock it out of the park and, and beat the goals? And I saw that that wasn't the case. I, as the leader, had to align their personal values with the value behind of the work we were doing. And if I couldn't match some sort of personal connection for them with our work, they were just going through the motions. But that's just one of the things I learned along the way. So I'm going to start sharing with you these tips as well as my own story behind them. Tip number one. When we focus on what we have to give instead of what there is to get, we realize our value. And my entire purpose in doing these podcasts and writing my newsletter, which any of you can subscribe to just by going to my website, maryleegannon.com and clicking on any of the links there, which will put you on my list. The reason why I do these things is because I want to help people. I want to do that more than anything. And because of that, I don't have to advertise for clients. People get to know me through this podcast, through my newsletter, through my website, through my social media posts on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. They know what I stand for. They know the value of the tips that I give. And that's very heartfelt for me because my clients come to me either through organically through the material that I put out there or through referrals. And this premise of giving, constantly giving value is something that is just intrinsic to my soul. I think that when we're focused on, well, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? This whole concept today of quiet quitting, I'm not going to give more than is expected of me because I'm not appreciated. If we dummy down 
our dedication in one area, we dummy down our dedication to ourselves. You can't do that at work and then show up in your relationships and show up for your volunteer activities or your interests at your best self because you just spent eight hours practicing how to be less than you are. So I do not, absolutely do not condone or believe that quiet quitting is something that serves anybody because it is counter to this first tip on how when we focus on what we have to give instead of what there is to get, we realize our value. Now, if you're with an organization that isn't valuing you, then find another one. But don't passive aggressively quit and stay in a role and become almost like a carcinogen being negative. Don't do that. Or don't think that, well, I'm just going to stay and do the minimum, but I won't say anything bad. When you're telling yourself, I'm doing the minimum, you are doing the minimum in other areas of your life too. Emotions, dedication, these are all in alignment. If one goes down, they all go down. I'm not going to feel pain. Well, you're not going to feel joy either. We have to be able to face what it is that is in front of us, address it, and release it if it doesn't serve us, but stare it in the face, put our head in the mouth of the lion, and know that we are awesome and we can take it. But we have to draw a boundary around what's healthy for us too. And if you're in an unhealthy culture, start looking for a place where you can thrive because you deserve that. Tip number two, fear is not your biggest obstacle, ego is. Its need to be right armors you from your relatability and your natural humanity. I know this firsthand. When I was going through my divorce, I was certain I would never be able to send my children to college. My husband financially walked away from his children, and I was the sole provider. I was tired of chasing him through the courts. I lost so much money trying to be right instead of trying to get it right. My ego was in the way. It was all, court sets you up for win versus lose. It's not a healthy situation for anyone. I would certainly play that entirely differently today. Cut your losses and go with your strengths. And when I did that, when I stopped trying to give a conscience to someone who didn't have one, my life got richer, fuller, and happier. But I had to put my ego aside. I had to say, okay, you can win. What have you won? You've won that you don't want to support your children. Okay, great. You can have that. And I was so afraid that without that financial support from him, which was $269 a week for myself and our four children, I was a dependent spouse at the time, that wasn't even covering our food. I was so afraid that my children wouldn't go to college that I couldn't make this right for them. And the minute I put aside trying to win against him and playing to my own strengths, is when I started to, I had to represent myself in court at the end because I didn't have the money to afford a lawyer anymore. And as fate would have it, that's the only time that I won. My ex-husband appealed the child support award of $269 a week while he was appearing in the society column. 
and I actually won in court. They're representing myself without a lawyer. You talk about fear. I'm going up against $500 an hour lawyers, writing briefs myself, and I won. Why? Probably because I was right. Allow yourself to be in your best self, to rediscover your soul and show up as you are, completely humble, not needing to be right, not needing to be perfect, just raw core you. And when I did that, I started to see a clearing. I started to see how, you know, I'm pretty good at this. Let me talk to people about it. Let me tell them that I'm trying to launch a new career. If they were me, what would they do? Instead of me pretending like I knew what I was doing, which I had become exhausted doing, I shifted into, you know, I don't have this all figured out. Tell me some advice that you think might help me. Can I shadow you? How do you do what you do? And shifting to that humble side, to that humanity, to that relatability, drew more people my way. And I ceased being as afraid because I had to face, well, what was I afraid of? I was afraid of losing. I was losing all the time in court. Of course you lose in the court. Whoever has the most money is going to be who wins in court. Period. Slam dunk. Just have to accept that. And once I accepted that, I started playing in a different arena. I stopped going back to court. Okay, you want to do that? You can be that way. I'm going to shine where my strengths are because they aren't in court. I'm going to shine at my leadership. I read everything ever written. I used to sit on the floor of bookstores reading constantly everything I could ever written about leadership. All the new material, not just the old material. That's why the library didn't always serve me, although I spent time there too. Bookstores had the cutting edge books that came out. I could see the bestseller list and I was reading, but I couldn't afford them. So I would sit in the store and read them. You have the ability to set your fear aside when you can lasso your ego. And that means not needing to be right, not needing to be perfect. And when you can put that aside, the other self-sabotage behaviors fall down too. You stop with the cynicism, the blaming, the self-doubt. It all goes away when you have that humility. So fear is not your biggest obstacle. Ego is. Tip number three. Done is better than perfect. And this is something that has come naturally to me my entire life. I am not a detail-oriented person. I hire people that are detail-oriented. I surround myself with people who have my weaknesses as their strengths, and I get out of their way. Yes, I've made mistakes along the way, and I can live with that. One mistake I don't make is waiting too long to launch. I don't need to be perfect. I am just trying to do things that are innovative. And this has been a signature of mine throughout my career. I'm usually the first to try something that everyone else is saying, oh, no, we can't do that. I'm, I'm always out there championing projects that no one thinks will succeed. And then when I can 
pull it off and put, get it all together, everybody's saying, oh, well, we better get behind this. We didn't think she would actually be able to do this, but she did. I like that. That's who I am. That's exactly where I came from when I came out of my first marriage was nobody thought that I would be able to carry these four children on my own. I remember my ex-husband saying to me, you'll never make it on your own. Well, that was all I needed to hear to light a fire underneath myself and say, but that doesn't mean I'm going to stay in an emotionally abusive and neglective relationship. Abuse is not okay. I'm moving forward and I can do this because, and this is really important, because I realized what my strengths were and I played to my strengths. If you play to your weaknesses, if you work on developing your weaknesses, you will only be mediocre. But if you focus on what you're good at and get even better at it, you are awesome. That's your signature strength. People will look to you for that. And you want to position that as your value proposition in everything that you do. What are you known for? Are you known for innovation? Are you known for dedication? Are you known for your intelligence? Are you a maven at something? Know what your signature strength is. And it could be one or two. I mean, I know I'm very tenacious. I also know I'm very intelligent and I'm resilient and I'm innovative. So I put those together and I use that in everything that I do. People know I'm going to come up with good ideas. And a lot of them are going to say, oh, no, we can't do that. And I'm saying, watch me, I will. But when you are a risk taker, you need to know that done is better than perfect. You can't be a risk taker if you're constantly, well, let me just rework this document a little bit more. Let me work on my resume a little more, but I can't apply for a job until I refine this resume. Your resume is likely not going to be what gets you a job. Your sphere of influence is the way you position your value proposition, how you've calculated your measurable key accomplishments, how you've communicated those to people who have influence. These are the important relationship building skills of getting yourself advanced and hired in your career. Tip number four, be an inquisitor to what's going on underneath your exterior so you can stop running from it and projecting it on others. Really important tip here. I didn't realize right away how fearful I was of the shame that I felt underneath when I was on public assistance. I didn't hide it from my children. I wanted them to know that programs were out there to help us, and we were grateful for that. I never infused shame on them for anything. They cashed welfare checks with me. We used food stamps in the grocery store. They were very aware of what was going on, but I really didn't acknowledge underneath the surface that I wasn't as shamed by the public assistance we were using as I was by the rejection I felt from my first marriage. And that showed up in me playing small in my self-awareness which then affected my ability to self-regulate. I can remember driving through a parking lot one day uh, and getting really upset at somebody for cutting me off 
And I knew, have you ever been in that situation where you know you're overreacting over something that is trivial, but it just lit a fire under me and I ended up yelling in the car and I was just, I was embarrassed for myself that I got that upset. That's how shame shows up. And eventually, as I started to work on myself and my mindful leadership and my mindful daily practices and sat with myself in silence, I started to understand more about how what was underneath the surface was affecting my life. And I had to turn around, like I've said before, and put my face into the mouth of the lion and say, go ahead. Really, what is here? What 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 is it that you want to do to me? Do you want to bite off my head, shame? Yes, I was rejected. And I'm okay, not but. Yes, I felt small and I'm growing, not but. Yes, this has been an embarrassment to me and not forever. Maybe for a while, now I am growing. We have to look internally at the things that haunt us because if we don't face them and accept that we're awesome in spite of them, they keep nipping at our heels like a biting chihuahua coming after you, constantly showing up in other ways where you find yourself saying, why am I feeling this way? It's because something under the surface isn't resolved. And that may involve forgiveness I forgive my ex-husband for not being what I thought our family needed, for not being what I knew was the best self that he could put forward. Everybody's doing the best they can with how aware they are of their own power and their ability to self-regulate the things that haunt them. And when people hurt you, they are pushing off on you unresolved hurt that they haven't identified and or don't know how to deal with. Don't own their hurt. I owned a lot of the hurt that my ex-husband was carrying around and pushed off on me. I owned that hurt. I took it on. I wore it on my sleeve. It wasn't mine to wear. It wasn't mine to own. So know what is yours to own. What I own is how that showed up in how I dealt with other people, how I parented, until I became more aware of what I could control and started on my journey of self-discovery. I became a better leader. I became a stronger parent. I became better and whole for myself. Tip number five. Drama is what happens when scared and unaware people need attention. Don't become one of those scared and unaware people. There's a psychological concept called the drama triangle. It has three points. One is a victim, one is a persecutor, and one is a rescuer. And we find ourselves on this triangle often Uh, when we're noticing that there's a lot of anxiety in the situation, or I have a lot of worry, or I'm fast forwarding to a doom and gloom ending. Those types of things remind us that we're on the drama triangle. And here are 
some ways to get off of that triangle. If you're feeling like a victim, that's where you, you're afraid of taking responsibility for your own outcomes. That's where you're blaming and complaining. And there's shame there. There's no power there. It's scary there. So we don't want to turn around and look at what's dogging us. We want to blame and externalize things. But when we can say, you know, this is happening, situations happen, but here's how I can do something about it to move myself forward. And the number one thing I can do is stop blaming others. The situation is what it is. I was poor. That was the situation. I knew I was not going to be poor very long. Now, if you are on the persecutor or what I commonly call the bully side of that triangle, bullies fear losing control. That's why they're so controlling. So if you are afraid of losing control, and this takes a lot of humility to look at, you know, I am trying to control this situation that really isn't mine to own. Why am I doing that? Maybe I ought to just focus on how I can be helpful instead of just telling people what to do. How can I help them figure it out? How can I challenge them in a way that's going to help them show up as their best? Be that challenger. And if you find yourself wanting to jump in and save the day on the rescue side of that triangle, if you're a rescuer or find yourself in a rescuer role, that's an opportunity to maybe coach somebody, come alongside them and shepherd them, steward them. I don't need to jump in and save the day just so that I can feel that I'm important because rescuers fear being abandoned. Don't allow that fear to stronghold your leadership. You can coach somebody. You can help them be better. Because when you jump in and save the day, instead of delegating work down and allowing them to figure it out with a little bit of guidance, not telling them what to do, when you jump in and save the day, you've disallowed them from self-actuating and figuring things out on their own and becoming the best that they can be so that your ego can feel like you're important and valued because you don't want to feel like you might be abandoned. Both the bully and rescuer side of this triangle are fearful of being victims. They do not want to be a victim. I know this, I've felt it myself because I've been in the victim role. I know how paralyzing it is. So sometimes I tend to want to jump in and save too. And sometimes I tend to want to control and just tell people what to do to get it right. That's not getting it right. That's me being right. That's my ego in the way on both counts. So self-regulation, that management of self is very important. And when you notice drama, again, drama, triangle, drama, unhealthy triangle. If you find yourself on that drama triangle, step back, look at the situation, notice where you are, Notice your role and what you need to own in that situation. And then if you're being 
feeling like a victim, become that creator. If you're feeling that you're being the bully, become that challenger. You don't have to be quite as dogmatic about it. If you feel like you want to jump in and rescue, become the coach, come alongside and shepherd somebody, steward them, but don't do it for them. This is freedom. Tip number six, never malign anyone. Others won't trust you. Again, don't talk about anyone because others will think you'll talk about them. This is difficult if you're unhappy. I did maligning too until I knew better because there are ramifications of doing that. It hurts people. Others don't trust you. They don't see that as leadership material. Think of the best executives that you know. They don't malign other people. This is a good lesson in your families as well. I did malign my ex-husband. I regret doing that. Truths are truths, but don't always need to be shared. I share them with you here so that you can understand the situation. It was not helpful when I was very frustrated to share my unhappiness with the situation with my kids. This is a stage of my life where I was less aware than I am now. Life is a journey and we must always be growing and learning. Again, perfectionism is not the goal. It's The destination is not the goal. It's the journey along the way where the magic lives. And if we talk badly about anyone or any situation, I've made a commitment to not malign anyone or anything. Because when I do that, I sit in a state of cynicism waiting for something bad to happen, looking for bad things that might happen. And honestly, there are certainly departments that you work with or situations that you're probably less than happy with or sometimes even disappointed in. And I find myself wanting to comment so often on some situations that happen. And I I have to bring humor to it. And that's how I deal with things. I have to just look at it and laugh because if I don't, I might start commenting negatively, which just affects my perspective on my life. I don't want to be that negative person. I don't want to be the cynical person. So I make fun and I find a way to laugh or make other people laugh. And, And we just have to find joy in some things. Now, they might be serious things. And that may mean we might not comment at all. But if you can bring a little bit of humor to the situation, it helps to lighten the load. I have a client right now who just had a parent pass away. And her siblings are giving her a very difficult time about how she managed his end-of-life care. She was the one who was there for her dad and the siblings are um, being very critical of her, even in social media, which makes it public. That's cutting and gutting. So how do you offload that anger and upset feeling that you have for them? Well, you may have a private conversation with your spouse where you might share how you really feel. Sometimes we do need to just vent. Sometimes you might want to journal about it, which is a great way of venting without hurting anybody. Uh, But I think 
bringing some humor to this situation brought her some joy and laughs and certainly smiles. So we framed some phrases that she could pull out when these gutting remarks are pushed down on her. And they included things like this. I hope your grieving journey gets lighter. I'm sorry you feel that way. We're all struggling with grief right now. I did the best that I could being the only one handling and dealing with the situation. I'm sorry it doesn't measure up to your standard. And in all of these phrases, what you are essentially doing is saying, I'm not taking on your opinion of me. I'm not owning or defending against your opinion of me. It's yours. That's drawing a boundary. This opinion that you have, this anger that you have towards me, this uh, venting that you're sending my way, there's a force field up between you and me, and it's not getting through. This is the quiet way of telling somebody, you have to own that yourself. I'm not owning that. Just because you're saying it doesn't make it the truth. So I'm going to stop here in the tips uh, and continue them in the next version of the podcast. When I decided to do this, I thought I could read through all of these quickly in one podcast, or I could give you some context around them, which I thought would be a little bit more interesting for you. Because you are a mindful leadership journey traveler too, just like me. And we have shared humanity in that journey. And I'm hoping that my stories around these tips give you some insight and brighten your leadership and your week. Wishing you a great week. I'm glad you were with me today. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me.